Hello and welcome to Anomaly Presents, the podcast about movies where people talk about movies from the safety of their own homes. We sit and watch our movies and talk about it with each other while we wash our hands until they crack and bleed. My name is Matt Knotts. We are, yes, again, in uh, in quarantine. We are in our separate locations. I will not divulge those locations. And tonight we, we have another special episode. We did Meet the Feebles a couple weeks ago, actually about a month ago now. And I mentioned there were two movies on our, our Indiegogo that folks asked us to watch. This is the second. We're watching Martin Scorsese's Bringing Out the Dead. And we're going to be talking about that tonight. And I'd like to kind of go around the room or go around the internet and introduce our, uh, our, our star panel for the evening. First, uh, welcome to the show, Megan Murphy. Hey, I'm here, but also not here and safely alone. <laughs> In another location. Welcome to the show, Adam Lubito. Hey, hey. I am also separate and alone, but together with you, so I'm happy. Aw. <laughs> and joining us, our, our special guest, paramedic, friend of the, uh, the Anomaly Film Festival, and all-around kick-ass guy, it's Kevin Green. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Oh, thanks for having me. And he actually chose the movie for us. It's Bringing Out the Dead. It came out in uh, 1999. It's a Martin Scorsese film. It's great, but Kevin, why'd you pick this one for us? Well, I, I am a huge Scorsese fan, and the first one that I saw was Taxi Driver. I absolutely love that movie. And as far as movies go, you know, being a paramedic, bringing out the dead is just real dear to me. Uh, it, it's a great movie that demonstrates uh, the humor in the industry and also the, the emotional toll that can, uh, you know, fall us from being a paramedic and uh i think if i could have someone direct my work day like after i punch in and somebody say action it would be uh john frankenheimer but in this case martin scorsese will do (laughs) it's good that that scorsese is your plan b i I really like (laughs) that um so it's it's he knows how to light a set (laughs) he sure does (laughs) And he picks a hell of a soundtrack, too. <laughs> oh, heck um, yeah. So it's interesting you brought up Taxi Driver because it's kind of, this movie is kind of a, a bookend with that. It was it was Scorsese and Paul Schrader working together again. Um, and they kind of echo each other a little bit. Interesting thing about that is it, it, it's, it's kind of a weird human toll. You know, you kind of see each person kind of, Travis Bickle and, and Frank trying to, you know, save themselves by saving others. And, and one is maybe a little more successful than the other, but it, it's, it's interesting to see what, what 20 years does to, to someone's outlook on that. Um, did anybody else see anything, how, how time can ch- kind of change your perspective uh, on, on being in New York and, and trying to, <laughs> trying to go through the motions. It, it was interesting it's, since I, I kind of looked at them, Travis Bickle and, oh God, Nick Cage's character. I'm drawing a blank on his name, but... Frank, yeah. Thank you. Um, as kind of flip sides of the same coin, like Travis Bickle was all, like he saw like the streets of New York and wanted to, to wipe it clean and kind of destroy destroy everything because um, he thought that people weren't worth saving, whereas Frank thought, felt the opposite. He saw the, the same streets and wanted to to save everyone. So I thought that was interesting that they, they were, there were a lot of similarities, but they were coming at it from polar opposite perspectives. Wow. Fascinating. That's a really interesting way to look at it. Yeah. That's uh, 
my first thought when I watch it, because yeah, because there's there's those similarities, the, the voiceover and the slow motion shots of them both driving through the streets. So yeah, it was interesting. So um, we were kind of talking in the 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 pre-show a little bit, Kevin and I, about the the structure of the movie, um, and I, I found it kind of interesting. We were talking about it, and I said it's kind of a, an almost nihilistic version of a Christmas Carol, right? So you've got. <laughs> You got, you got the three partners there and each one kind of is dealing with, with their ghosts in a different way. Um, so Kevin, uh, in your experience, are those kind of ar- archetypes true? Do you kind of have those, you know, the loose cannon, the guy who's starving and, and the spiritual oh, dude? Oh my God, dude. Every single one of these people I have worked with, uh, a lot of them are amalgamations of people, but my very first partner as a paramedic was pretty much Tom Sizemore. It was the guy that would snap and break and just absolutely had no chill to him whatsoever. You know, and working with a guy like that <laughs> is extremely difficult. Uh, you know, you know the scene where he like just goes off on um, what's his name the the one character um, uh, Noel. Yeah, Noel. Not Noel. Yeah, where he just beats the crap out of him for no reason. Like, yeah, I've had to like that's a mess. Uh, the guy that I work with didn't last very long and uh there was a he got called into the office because of like on, on the ambulances we have drive cams and uh he was constantly setting them off because he was either driving over curbs or slamming on the brakes you know because they're set by g-forces and there's one uh he, they called him in to say okay this is enough and they had an image of him leaning out the driver's side door middle finger in the air like that famous Johnny Cash picture and he's flipping off some old lady in a Camry and he's just screaming and yelling at her and all that this guy did was he he reached over he grabbed that piece of paper and he folded it up and put it in his pocket and he's like thanks that's like my best side (laughs) wow yeah That's, you know, the, it's funny because this movie, that it, it has a lot of, uh, like, humor in it that we do experience. Uh, and, like, that's one of the things that really made this movie real to me is the humor in it. Now, it's, you know, it's drama and it's, a, a, like, a, a character sketch on a guy's descent into, like, a real big pit of despair, but constantly throughout the whole movie is just this the the humor that i think like you know that we see at the job but for they were really able i don't know whether it was the the whoever did the screenplay or the way that the characters rendered it on screen it was just it really brings it out and it's a um a great way to i guess communicate that to the audience it it definitely it it I would think it's probably a combination of, of all three. Um, but like it, the things that kind of stuck out to me were the, you could see where it was a pressure release, right? Like when they come into uh, misery there and it's always Griff standing at the door doing, doing his bits, you know, don't make me take my sunglasses off and all that stuff. That dude's hilarious. Oh yeah. But I imagine he'd have to be, cause if not, he'd be killing everybody. You know, it would be that kind of like, crazy pressure so it, it's it was kind of fun to see that it's 
but you you had all these kind of ins and outs where where there would be really funny things that would happen you know or when they went and what was it mr low and oh mr o oh mr o yeah 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 Yeah. the stinky guy the stinky guy and scorsese on the uh on the dispatch radio was was killing me (laughs) wasn't that great I loved, yeah, the Scorsese and then Queen Latifah, yeah. which was hysterical. I kind of want the Queen Latifah and, and Ving Rhames romantic comedy. I think that would be a blast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kevin, I'm curious. Had you read the the novel that this is based on? Were you a fan of that before the movie, or were you just into the movie? I did, yeah. I, yeah, I own the novel. It's uh, in my collection, definitely. Uh, you know, the novel has a there's a lot more to it there's a lot more characters like i think they uh tom sizemore's character is the combination of two characters in a novel and there's a couple mm-hmm. other scenes that didn't make the cut you know obviously it's got an hour and a half right instead of the whole novel but uh, mm-hmm. the novel is very well written um joe Connolly uh was actually a paramedic in new york city um he uh, took the job back when it was a an academy style introduction to EMS where they had a place out on Queens where you went for five months and then they turn around and give you the keys to an ambulance and say, go for it. Like it's, you know, five months and congratulations, you're a paramedic. Like New York city is an entire another world in the EMS community. Like there's these outliers, like we have national standards and then there's New York city and there's DC and they both do their own thing. And nowhere else in the world would you have an academy for five months and then they throw you into the streets. Like it's just a, like a meat grinder. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine yeah, being, having that job in New York city. Like I, I think, yeah, everyone I feel like would end up like Frank just losing it after a while. Just, they don't really equip you with the tools. Like they teach you how to do the job, but not what to do when everything falls apart. That was kind of one of my questions. I, I imagine turnover has got to be crazy. I mean, I, I work with a guy that, you know, was a paramedic for a while and now he works in a call center, you know, cause it, it's, it's something he call can center. cope with, you know? Yeah. Right. Uh, how nice. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great, dude. Are they hiring? <laughs> Hell yeah. Come on in, man. Um, but yeah, that, that was it. He, he got to a point where he was like, well, it's either I could go through, you know, all the whiskey in the world or I can go get an, an office job. So, um, do you, yeah. do you find you've had a lot of coworkers where that that's happened, you know, where it's just been, you, you get to the Frank level and just kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of wash out of the, the business or. Yeah, no, the, the technical term is burnout. It's a five year is the average, um, career lifespan for a paramedic so you know um i'm i got my first cert my bls cert in 98 so i've i've got a couple years under my belt i've kind of moved into a classification of they call them dinosaurs i've been around longer than a lot of people which you know it's it's and i gotta tell you it's an incredible shame because one of the best things in this business is your is experience is is having seen and done and the fact that people are in it and then out for, um, you know, a variety of reasons. It's not, it's not um, necessarily the emotional toll it takes, but it, it's really a disservice to the public that 
and we don't have experienced providers on, uh, but that whole, um, you know, I can see where somebody would say, screw this, I'm going to a call service. Like it, it, after a while, um, you know, it can be, it, you need to have, I mean, how do I say this? It's, it's not just you. You're like, there's so much else. Like, so in the movie, like Frank just got either, either just got divorced or was recently divorced. He's a guy who has no social safety nets. Like he's just, searching for anybody to give him a hand. And, and I think that is probably one of the best predictors of burnout is somebody who doesn't have anybody. And, um, you know, people that I work with that have been in it for so long, they're married, they're, you know, they've got a good, um, out of work life. Uh, you know, I'm real lucky that uh, I've got a wife that is just, top notch. I mean, she's pretty much my daily therapist. You know, I could always come home and debrief with her and I don't know what I would do without it. And you can tell that it's in the, like Frank, like this is one of the things that makes this movie so real is that Frank is, you know, you could just see it in his face. Like it just, he doesn't have anybody. He looks for it in his partners and they're all a bunch of jerks, right? One of them was violent. The other one is a, a religious freak who tries to turn him to Jesus, you know, and he, here's this girl uh, who is the daughter of one of his cardiac arrests that he takes a liking to. And, you know, he keeps following around like a puppy dog. And it isn't until the end when she says, yeah, finally, why don't you come in and, and spend a minute where he finally gets that like closure. You know, I, I mean, it, it's, it, it's a ridiculous parallel that I think Scorsese does so well in this movie yeah i thought i thought it was really interesting that his character on one hand you see like he says how much he hates the job and i i love the scenes with him and his his superior i'm not sure what his title would be but where he basically begs him to fire him and he just won't um so on the other hand he's he's addicted to it at the same time i thought it was so interesting that that sort of push and pull of of his character and how he felt towards what he did. Isn't that the funniest scene ever, man? <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> that is, like, I, I'll fire you tomorrow, man. Come on. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty relatable too. I don't know. It's, you know, uh, I make the crack about like, if you, if you enjoy losing it solitaire, then you probably could do good in EMS. Like, like it, it's, it's a job where you just go knowing that things aren't going to go well and things aren't going to go well and things aren't going to go well and things aren't going to go well. <laughs> like that, that whole, um, you know, look, I could take another week off, but it's not going to do any good. Like, it's just the same thing when I come back after a week, they do that. That scene is, I know it's gallows humor, but it, that is really done well. Uh, you know, the, and from both ends, right? Like it, there's a boss who has to make the wheels turn and we'll do anything to get a person, uh, you know, they call it meat in the seat. I just need meat in the seat. I need somebody to get out there and do this. And I don't care if it's you or if it's, uh, you know, a poorly trained chimpanzee, but we need somebody in that seat. That captain, that, that character's great. That guy, you know, where he's just leaning back in the chair and 
you know, look at these bars. Do you think they give these to sissies? Like, <laughs> that scene is just so fast. That's the best, man. It cracks me up every time I see it. Um, so it, there's a lot made of Frank's losing streak. Is that a thing where, where people kind of get that in their heads and they, they just kind of, you know, feel like they have the, you know, not to be macabre, but like the reverse Midas touch where they know things are going to go bad for a while. Just they feel like they've got a, a string of bad luck or is it just kind of the, the John Goodman thing where, where every call is a new call kind of thing? Uh, uh, personally, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, I, there's a lot, there's a lot of different ways to approach the job. If you want to talk about me specifically, uh, I, I have routines that I have to do in the morning or else things are going to go bad. If I don't get my coffee, if I, you know, I'm late to work, if I don't do my rig check in a certain way, if certain things have to happen or the whole day is going to be a mess. Like, I don't know if it's because I was raised Catholic <laughs> and superstition <laughs> is just part of my blood, but everybody knows that if I don't get my coffee in my special mug from the center dispenser at the, you know, the gas station at Ridge and Dewey, then we're going to have a bad day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, like, and as far as like, like luck, I, I've got a lucky stethoscope. I've got, you know, there's certain partners that I refuse to ride with because they're bad luck. And uh, so, but I, like, I know I, I, I keep bringing this up, but that's me. That's not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> but I do find trends. There are trends. Like I had a partner one time that told me like, you know, if, if he went, two months without a cardiac arrest, then there was going to be a week where it was every day for a whole week. And it's, it's strength. Like, you know, we laugh about it because the day shift will work their ass off and the night shift will do nothing. And they'll know that they're not going to do nothing because we worked our ass off and, you know, we come in and they're like, Oh, we haven't done anything all night. Well, the next day I'm going to be busy as hell, but there's nothing that says that. Like, I mean, stop me if I'm rambling here, man. No, but. no, this is, this is perfect. I was just going to say, it, <laughs> okay. it's like they're all waiting until, you know, nine o'clock in the morning when you punch in and then they're all going to call. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> a thing. That's really a thing. And then the whole, uh, is it a full moon or not? Like, you know, science will say that it has no effect on our, our workload, but I, I guarantee you the day before and the day after a full moon, are the worst days of the of the month, man. Seriously, unless unless it's Super Bowl. Uh, oh God! Yeah, Super Bowl. For some reason, Super Bowl always has this weird effect where nobody wants to go to the hospital during Super Bowl, but their bodies are all taxed to a point because they've been drinking and they're yelling at the TV. So the 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 best time to work is during the Super Bowl, and the worst time to work is an hour after the Super Bowl, like. <laughs> I would imagine like hearts must be exploding like bubble wrap after that. <laughs> you know, like the 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 emergency room is a ghost town while it's going on, and then it's just you know all hands on deck after that. I never would have thought about that. So all the holidays are like that. Yeah, that that makes sense. I guess. Yeah. Um, They're like that in St. Patrick's Day. I have to imagine that's not funny there. Oh, forget it. 
Oh my God, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? It's funny, Adam. I have a friend who really violently hates St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> and, and probably for the same reason. Yeah. I feel like anyone who hates it, there's there's one a pretty big specific reason that there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Mike, you've been kind of quiet. Anything you wanted to throw in or... Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I can't talk to any paramedic experience, so. Oh no! Like anything about the movie? I mean, no. Meg, how is it when you're when you're working as a paramedic? No, oh, yeah. I'm in an ambulance. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> Your shifts are just a disaster. So I have been in the ER during uh, Christmas Day. The best ER trip. I, it wasn't for me, for someone else. But I was like, it was delightful. No one was there. We were basically in and out. A, a, a quick three hours back in time for president opening. So if I have a suggestion, if you're going to go to the emergency room, try Christmas morning, <laughs> but like 5 a.m. It's noted. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I have, I have movie stuff. So yeah. like, this is kind of, and this might be too obvious, but like also this is absolutely like some sort of purgatory metaphor. It is a period of time where nothing happens where he can't get a win, where he can't get fired, where Noel can't get, he wants to die and he can't die, where the other, like, older guy wants to die and he can't die. Like, it's just this period of nothing can move on until it does. Like, it's this idea that it finally breaks. It's interesting, this idea of, like, no, it'll pass, but you got to live through it. you got to make your way through this period of time. I think that's really interesting. Do you think it starts when he kind of brings Burke in kind of against think, his better judgment. It almost seems. Yeah. Like he's basically unnaturally extending something that does not want to be extended. Like when we start hearing, mm-hmm. like we know for sure, sh- well, as much as we know Burke is actually communicating cause who the hell knows. But if we take that as actual communication, like, Hey, don't keep zapping me over and over. I can't move on. You can't move on. My daughter can't move on. Nobody can move on. I almost feel like he's the, the, the emblem of that whole, you know, purgatory state where as soon as he comes in, everything just stops and it just becomes about that, that loop, you know? Yeah. Well, every night um, seems to basically almost be the same night except for different partners. Like how is that, you know, that one doctor is always lecturing someone. The other doctor is always going around. The guard's always there. It's always almost like the same people in the waiting room. And that's true too. It's it's always the same Greek chorus of, of homeless dudes sitting there in the, yeah. the one row as the bed goes by. I mean, I was not in New York City in the 90s. God, I hope this wasn't the only thing going on because this is <laughs> a damn nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> so it, one of the things I did enjoy about the um, early 90s New York of it all was the uh, the club scene. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that was uh, pretty amazing. Um and it always cracks me up who Martin Scorsese finds to be in those scenes because the the bouncer there is actually from a a band called uh, what was it Degeneration NYC or it's Jesse Malin who's been in like punk bands forever. Um, and then yeah, it, it it looks like I don't know every bad mid nineties bar like goth punk bar I ever wandered through. You know, there, there's actually a place in Philly that looks just like it now on the upstairs called Tattooed Moms. Um, and it's fucking identical and it's wild. 
but it, it's yeah, it, it's that vibe where it's like, oh yeah, no, he has definitely captured New York City in the the nineties there. Um, but then we we get to meet my my favorite character in the movie, at least name wise, and that's I'd be banging. Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's I'd be banging. It's his name. <laughs> it's Fre- Frederick. god it's so good um but yeah it's that whole sequence cracks me up with with ving rames holding the the prayer circle around the the narcan was amazing um and and from the video i've seen i've never like been there for narcan in person but it it looked pretty realistic to me um so i i really kind of i thought that was an interesting way to to do that um Kevin, is that kind of like what? What were your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I'd probably be shit canned if I did a prayer circle around. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, you know, yeah. Uh, here's the thing: I it's hard to watch medical drama shows because you nitpick the shit out of things, and there were some things in there that were definitely, you know, medical errors. The only thing I would say, from a bystander point of view, is the the you know, yes, it is that dramatic where you, know, you push the Narcan, you wait a couple of seconds and all of a sudden they sit up. Uh, they were dead a second ago and they sit up and they're very much alive. And then uh, they projectile vomit. So, <laughs> you know, that's the one thing that that scene was missing was just this exorcist spray of pea soup all over the medics that usually happens. See, oh, I, come on, Scorsese. Why? <laughs> Why would you leave that out? And he would have lit it beautifully, too. Oh, it would have amazing. <laughs> Everything glows in this movie, which I love. Yeah, yeah. This, the look of it is fantastic. Just the, the super saturated colors and the, 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 the halos that everyone has, gets. Has he done... Any, like, I, I know some Scorsese, but I'm not, like, I don't, I'm not a completist. Has he had a movie, done a movie since or before... Uh, before since that had that same look it seems very singular but uh well, yeah no after that it's kind of been a little more flat um this was like his real big you his know, 90s rave freakout 90s rave yeah. freakout but again it kind of works in mm-hmm. in bookmark to um to taxi driver i think look wise you know where the streets are a little bit more technical or you get the bernard herman you know all that kind of stuff and tech taxi driver now you get it 30 years later and it's a little bit more oversaturated and you know i, I feel like it's kind of that the the nasty b-side of what what taxi driver was where he really kind of went for almost like a verite in taxi driver this is like the overexposed artsy version of it and then he just went full on into the crazy soundtrack instead of having like, there's a bit of a score there, but it's all needle drops and all the needle drops mm-hmm. are fucking great. I thought like yeah. it's blues, blues, and then the most 90s stuff I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and then blues again. <laughs> yeah. And then just for a goof, he'll throw in like the New York Dolls and the Clash at the end. As soon as you get Clash. to Tom Sizemore. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You get to Tom Sizemore and all of a sudden it's CBGB in 1977 and, you know, or, or Max Kansas City with The Clash and, and I'm So Bored in the USA is blaring yes. and, and Nicolas Cage is trying to like, you know, knock windows out with a baseball bat and he just <laughs> turns into like... He just goes for it. Yeah. 
it was, it's one of my favorite things about this movie that you can kind of feel the evolution of, of Nicolas Cage's character through those needle drops where it kind of starts out with that, like the Van Morrison vibe or like, you know, that, that Rolling Stones blues rock kind of thing. And then as he gets more manic, as he gets more to his edge, it's just full on punk rock. I'm going to go knock over some mailboxes, which I thought was pretty cool. Also not as much unhinged Nick Cage in this movie. I was just going to say, how did we feel about Nick Cage performance wise? Is, yeah, I feel like, I feel like, yeah, he had moments of that. You could see like the future Nick Cage freakouts at his best, but for the most part, it's kind of on the more subdued side. I feel like it was all inside. Like what we see outside now was all like inside. You can see it's obviously yeah. a character about to lose it. And then what we didn't know is that it was also maybe Nick Cage going like, no, nah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I can't hold this inside anymore. <laughs> Things are about to change. And I mean, in a good way. I'm pro oh, Nick Cage caging it up. <laughs> you know, we just saw color out of space. I was like, Mwah. Oh, yeah. Beautiful. It, that is perfect, Nick Cage. This is like, um, yeah, it's totally bubbling under. And this is in the era like... I want to say right before the movie two before, because you know how many movies Nick Cage makes, but it was leaving Las Vegas. So it was like uh, Oscar winning. Mm, it was like prestige cage. It was Oscar crazy before he's just like, I can't be uh, contained or constrained by Oscar crazy. I just need to be Nick Cage crazy, which is right. in and of itself. There is no other measurement. Yeah. And then it was Michael Bay movies and then buying comic books and then, you know, and then buying a castle in Romania, you know, it was like that level of. And and his pyramid uh, burial site in uh, New Orleans. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I believe a T-Rex skull in there somewhere, but then he had to return it. (laughs) I think I vaguely remember hearing about that. Yeah. He brings joy. He brings joy. This is the movie that gave him the kind of artistic prestige to get him a T-Rex skull. And for that, I salute it. Oh, because Raising Arizona wasn't? No, that was the upswing. Like, <laughs> if, if you look at the arc of Nick Cage from being the, the shitty surfer dude in, in Fast Times to <laughs> Raising Arizona to, you know, the, the leaving Las Vegas, like the late 90s, artistic cage to batshit freak out Mandy and, and call her out of space, which Kev, if you haven't seen that yet, you should see it. It's, it's alpacas and crazy psychedelic <laughs> colors and oh, nice. body horror. It's, it's bananas. And this isn't like a knock on later Nick cage. It's just a different kind of being like you're seeing someone, maybe a human evolve into something else that we don't totally understand. Right. Exactly. It's, um, I don't know that you've really ever seen it with an actor before Nick Cage. I don't think he is his his own thing, but (laughs) he's just, he's just gotta be him. Yeah. Let him be free. Everybody (laughs) just let him do his thing. Just, just get him a big bottle of red wine and get the fuck out of his way. (laughs) You know? Um, but this gave him that and that's awesome. And, and everybody around him, I mean, it's like a murderer's row of actors in this movie. Like, Holy when you shit. start with John Goodman, like he's the first partner, you're like, yeah. where, do, where are we going from here? And it's up. Every supporting actor, because this is right, like, mid-level Ving Rhames, like that was, what, a couple years after Pulp Fiction? and yeah. I do love Ving Rhames in this. I think he might have my favorite performance from the movie. Like, I, I think he's so great in this. 
I'm telling you, he kills me every time he's talking to Queen Latifah <laughs> or when he's just chomping around that cigar. Mm-hmm. He's just so good. Uh, and then Tom Sizemore, before Tom Sizemore lost his mind in the not fun way. Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting yeah. comparison. That's a, oh, like I want to talk about <laughs> what comes after. <laughs> Nick Cage, I can talk about what comes after all night long. Tom yeah. Sizemore, like, no, that's okay. Well, yeah, that's just a little bit of a bummer. Like, no. Yeah. We all kind of hang our heads for a second. <laughs> yeah, like, sorry, buddy. I think you're, he's very well cast in this. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that, that violence that is just under and then over the surface. You believe it. I'm like, yeah, no, this is absolutely that dude. I did enjoy the bad cop, worst cop, <laughs> the, the suicidal guy. Oh, um, my God. That was, if you want to talk about black comedy, that was, that was some of the most dark gallows humor I could think of in that movie. Oh, where he puts the sticker on his forehead and he tells yeah. him to cut it the wrong, yeah, how to cut your wrist the right way. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> look at this. Look at this in the mirror every morning. and it turns green, get to the hospital immediately. <laughs> uh, Kevin, have you ever had to uh, find a creative way to convince somebody to, you know, do something for their own good? Um, yeah, for their own good. I mean, the, so the way that they've depicted that kind of thing in the movie is a little... I, you know, unethical. <laughs> <That's>, a little. <laughs> um, but, you know, there are, there are stories. Of, it's typically like the college kid who's uh, tripping balls. Oops. And so you just, you know, you, you take your, um, your pen light, you know, it's like a little tiny flashlight and blink it and follow the light, follow the light into the ambulance, like that kind of thing. But, <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know, man. I, I wouldn't ever go so far as to hold a knife in front of somebody oh, no. and no. say, <laughs> uh, you know, this is how you do it. <laughs> oh, 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 God, no, 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 no. <laughs> I feel like that, again, I'm not a paramedic. I feel that feels extreme. Yeah. <laughs> feels extreme. It's kind of the, uh, it, you know, it's the opposite of our prime directive. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like that's kind of that whole sequence when it, when it's Tom Sizemore and Nick Cage at the, at the end, it's all like, don't do what Donnie don't does. Like every bit of it is, is you know, this, this is what could happen when this shit goes very, very wrong. And you just kind of become, you know, twin yeah. vigilantes on the streets. Oh yeah, great for a movie, but fuck if that were two real paramedics, I'd, I, yeah, ah, nah. I mean, there's like so there's you know like regional classics stories of people that have you know for example innovated somebody uh, you know which is the tube down the throat and then push the Narcan to wake them up and <laughs> then had the person walk into the emergency room holding their own IV bag with this tube sticking out of their mouth like those people are the classic burnout cases where like, for example, Tom Sizemore's character in this, that guy is not going to last another four days on an ambulance. Like if he's actually beating on his patients, you know, somebody's going to blow him in his partner. If it has any kind of scruples, will say, this is what my partner is doing. You know, there's no way that that is tolerated. So, you know, obviously Hollywood, it's it's Hollywood eyes. Oh yeah, I mean. that, that that is comforting. Yes. <laughs> that is comforting to hear. I'm like, God, I hope the answer is kind of what I'm hoping it is. Yeah, it's it's that's um, very. Those people tend to be shown a spotlight and and ushered to the door because there's no tolerance. But that's you know if 
So there's a lot of reasons why people get into EMS and they want to be, they, they have an ego, they want to be firemen, they want to be nurses, they, they want to be cops or whatever. But, uh, you know, people on the way through this career path, um, it's easy to identify them and they're definitely shown the door very quickly. So, you know, as a movie, as a Scorsese movie, that works well in the street. If I ever came across a person like that, uh, their time would definitely be limited. That's good to hear. Sorry to be, yeah, sorry <laughs> no, to be a downer. Well, like, thank God, thank God, thank God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, Kevin, that's not a downer at all. I feel very good about the fact that there aren't like roving bands of... of Tom, Tom Sizemore's. <laughs> vigilante <laughs> paramedics, yeah. No. Taking the law into their own hands. Yeah, I, I no, never... definitely uh, not. Punisher paramedics is not something I really want to see. Wait, no, wait, wait. I, not I, in real life, know. but I'd like to see that movie. The movie would be dope, yeah. Punisher paramedic, oh my God. <laughs> You know, it goes so far as we're scrutinized as to the size of needles we use. And if they think that our needles are too big and we're causing too much discomfort to our patients, we'll get called in and talked to. So, really? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We really, you know, the medical community looks out for patients. It's, it's just a, I don't know, it's, it's who we are. We're, we didn't, we don't get into this to torture people. Well, that's good to hear too. Um, <laughs> I can appreciate that. I, I'm really hoping there, there's probably like one in 10 that does. And I, I hope they, they get out quick. Um, it's an interesting thing to see. Um, other stuff we wanted to talk about with the movie. Um, anything that we, we've missed out on? Anything you can think of that you want to talk about? And this could be anybody. Just jump right in. A guy getting shish kebobbed on the, the metal fence. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's... I don't spoil, but like that's what like kind of like breaks his his streak. Like the drug dealer who is impaled on a fence. But I guess in a way he is already connected to him as a human, so maybe that's part of it. It's like he's starting to, you know, oh, this is a person. And he literally like goes over and like risks his life when he starts to fall. Like I don't I don't and I'm curious what you you uh, think about like what was it about that situation that like like broke through for Nick Cage's character. Like all of a sudden he kind of gave a crap again. I, uh, <laughs> I definitely, I agree with you. I think it was that I had something to do with that, that connection beforehand. Cause I definitely, yeah, I had that same thought. Me, me too. It kind of, <laughs> it's hard. Cause I'm never quite sure who's going to jump in next. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree. It, it um, you know, it's kind of that parallel of the, the Ving Rhames story, you know, where he was talking about the same thing kind of happened with the jumper and then, you know, Jesus saved him and all that. But it seemed like, you know, it, it wasn't quite as spiritual for him. It was kind of more of a, oh, yeah, this is why I do this. And I think that's what it was. He, he kind of found it's that whole salvation and self kind of thing, you know, where he didn't have to put it on, you know, the, the pizza or the spirituality or beating the dog shit out of somebody it was just taking take the the responsibility for himself that really put him back on the the right track which i thought was kind of interesting that's you know i never looked at it that way but that's interesting like there's that whole scene where he actually cradles the guy's head like in a you know very compassionate you know almost religious way like he's Mm -hmm. holding the guy's head up like in a before he falls off (laughs) the edge of the 16th floor but (laughs) Yeah, you're right. That is kind of a guy that he made a connection with, and now he has a a way to 
help or save actually literally save at one point. And I wanted to actually jump back to, I think early on in the conversation, you mentioned this is almost a stealth retelling of a Christmas Carol. Cause I had that same thought while watching with the, you know, the guy who's, who's haunted by ghosts and the, the three partners who are all each like different, different paths. I, I thought that was really interesting because, yeah, I definitely, at some point while watching it, I was like, you know, I wonder if this was intentional or I'm just losing it in quarantine. But I'm like, this is like a Christmas carol. Or Candle Los Dos. Yeah, my, my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was one of the things I really found the most interesting about it was, was yeah, it was the, the three ghosts of, of paramedics past you know mm-hmm. um then they they flip the ambulance and <laughs> <laughs> yeah which <laughs> wasn't expecting i'll be honest no i was like what the oh crap <laughs> i mean they were drinking <laughs> yeah. they were both drunk <laughs> this is true so, so so yeah if that happened what are the chances you're working the next day <laughs> uh 120 percent Absolutely. <laughs> I I know in, in in my line of work, if something like that happened immediately after you'd be on for a piss test and that would be the end of you. So um. uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well no, that there's definitely that, but um they as long as you clear that, I mean, they'll have you back on the road as long as they can find another ambulance to put you in as soon as you walk out of the hospital. Like there's I mean, wrecks happen all the time. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm less comforted. Before I was comforted, and now I'm not comforted again. Uh, uh, Megan, do you want some real scary statistics? <laughs> oh, I'm in walking distance of a hospital. So go ahead. Who needs an ambulance? Right. <laughs> I'll just stroll. <laughs> just l- listen, people should call 911 when they want to bring the emergency room to them. They shouldn't really have a consideration for the transport part because that's extremely dangerous. You know, like, uh, we, it's funny. We, the new gurneys that we put people on have five different seatbelts for the patient. Right. And then I get in the back and I sit next to the patient with a lap belt. Okay. Right. Like, you know, oh, no. oh, it's, it's ridiculous. Like there's a, you know, if you think about like EMTs have a, this is going to be real depressing. Are you ready? Uh, <laughs> Let's do it. It's yeah, already started. A, Let's do it. A, a four times greater chance of dying than the general laborer out there. And we die at rates greater than the police and the fire department by factors of at least two. And it's because we are constantly in motion in vehicles mm-hmm. in a way that cops and firefighters aren't right. Cause firefighters get to sit at a station. Cops are the drivers. So they're restrained. They've got airbags all around them. Ambulances are not crash tested. They're exempted from department of transportation rules for crash testing. And most medics we've, We've done studies at our core and across the country. Most medics don't wear their seatbelt in the back. And that is why we, we have fatal injuries at ridiculous rates. And, it, you know, it, it's sad that we don't even look out for ourselves. But I think it goes towards, you know, if you, there's a, a very, very tender and emotional scene in this video where, where um, it's both Frank and uh, Mary in the back of the ambulance and they're driving, like she's smiling and, and they're hitting the bumps and Frank is taking all the bumps in stride. Like he's been doing this for 20 years and 
she just keeps banging her head off the, the pad in the back, you know, neither of them are wearing a seatbelt. Like it's, it's, you know, it's on one hand, it's a real emotional scene, but it always like tears me up. Like, I mean, we got to take care of ourselves. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't know, I guess that's two streams of thought that are just mishmashing here, but you asked about, or we were talking about stats and uh, well, transports, but. No, I, I think that kind of speaks to the bigger issue in the movie too, right? Like n- nobody is really practicing any kind of self-care at all, any of the paramedics in this movie. So yeah, no, I think it, it really speaks to that is that, you know, the focus is on, on the patient and doing whatever you can for, for the person who's in distress and, and, you kind of take on all the, the, you know, emotional, psychic and, and physical damage, you know? Mm. Um, so I, I think that's kind of really interesting to see that the, the parallel between that and, and reality. Like um, the line in there where he said he's a grief mop. That's my yeah, favorite yeah. line. <laughs> oh, that was really good. I mean, that's a killer line. Yeah. That, that stuck with me too. Yeah. We're, we're kind of almost to the end here. So um, anything else we wanted to bring up? Anything movie wise or, or otherwise that you want to, you know, ask Kevin or Kevin, if you have any other thoughts you want to share. Uh, I don't know. Let's go to the phones. <laughs> oh no. That's oh, the phones won't save us. No, <laughs> not this time. Shit. Nashville, you're on the air. <laughs> One day. That's the ultimate aspiration of this. Is, okay. I do have um, just, um, I, I, I love that. Like, you know, the, the scenes are filled with all these like, flavor characters that we don't really know about i i love the preacher nun with the the little like fetus belt and just yelling out whatever she thinks is like the worst sins there's something about like the way she says it and her rhythm and the fact that she shows up a couple times is just just fascinating and also adds to that like purgatory maybe hell feel by the way, she's billed as Sister Fetus in the film. Yes. <laughs> I just like every time she showed up, I'm like, yay. <laughs> Scorsese so does that a lot in a lot of his movies. Like in Taxi Driver, there's there's a drummer uh, that um, when De Niro's character is walking by, like there's a just a, you know, the random street characters that are just like punctuation marks in the, in the story. Other random bit part actors. I don't know if you noticed, but um, horror legend Larry Fessenden is in it. Yeah, yeah. the cokehead. Yep, I was yep. like, I recognize that forehead. Yep. <laughs> it's hard to miss. Um, punk rock um, minor superstar slash movie star uh, Theo Kogan was one of the prostitutes. We Mark talked about... Mark Anthony was Noel. Mark Anthony yeah. was amazing as Noel. Um, I was like, I know this guy. I, like, it took me forever because I, like, beyond just, like, the, the 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 kind of like the, the hair and the often blood and just that I was like yeah. I know this guy. So yeah, the the dreads definitely threw me for a bit, and I'm like, oh, I know who that is. <laughs> Did anybody notice uh, Michael K. Williams? No. Yeah, yeah, he's the 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 drug dealer, right? On the yeah, yeah, the drug dealer that gets shot, and uh, yeah, it, it was. It, it's always interesting to me to see who Scorsese kind of pulls up for those, you know, bit part kind of things. Because they're usually well, pretty great, but they're not people you would think of to just throw into something. Yeah, but he, he's good at yeah that casting that that makes even those tangential characters memorable. Also, one could argue that this film takes place in the same universe as Scrubs. 
Um, <laughs> that was oh, Carlo, yes. right? Yes, it was Carlo. Carlo. Yeah, yes, thank you. That's right. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I, I noticed was. that too. This is the darkest episode of Scrubs, and they had some dark episodes. <laughs> <laughs> JD is somewhere just shooting up in a corner. Oh, oh God. Oh, oh. I was just talking about the Brendan Fraser episodes is all. Turk's catching him on the nod out in the... So, yeah. So, these are kind of the fun things about (laughs) coming (laughs) off the back of that, right? (laughs) Anybody who ever said I can't do segue is terribly wrong. Um, Well, how about the camera angles, though? Like, Mm. isn't Scorsese, like, the master of unique camera angles? Like, I remember in Taxi Driver, there was that one scene where he was walking in and and the camera actually... went against him like it followed the room instead of him and there was so much of that and here there's a scene where prank is pacing back and forth in the lobby and the camera is like when he paces to the left the camera moves to the right and then the camera moves to the left as he's pacing to the right like and then anytime that you see a perspective shot like when noel is trying to kill himself in the middle of you know 44th street and you see you're looking up at Frank from Noel's perspective and then you're looking mm-hmm. down. I mean, it's just the, you know, it, it's like one of the things that made him unique after taxi driver. And I thought he brought a lot of that to this movie that really did a, a great job. Absolutely. Visually it's cut together perfectly, but I mean, all of his movies are. And there's that one scene that was filmed backwards. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. yeah. The, with the snow and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The innovation scene. Yeah, yeah. That was really cool. Um, or even the, the hallucination scene when he's pulling the, the, the ghosts out of the road. That was. Oh, yeah. Man. Hey guys, I, I think, I think, I think Martin Scorsese might be a good filmmaker. <laughs> <laughs> he's going places. Yeah. I, I don't want to like, it here first. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna put my my yeah. neck out there and say I think it's a pretty good filmmaker. That's admirable. Uh, our, our next movie is Hugo. Um, <laughs> no. oh, okay, listen, listen. It's fine. It's fine. Hugo's fine. fine. Like, yeah. but the worst score says he is. You know, fine. Hey, I'm gonna yeah. say I am a Hugo fan. I oh, dig fine. Hugo. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of what the worst Scorsese movie would be. Uh oh, here we go. We're gonna start fights hmm. now. Let's do it. We've been in quarantine. We're getting a little punchy. No, I, I don't. I'm... <laughs> Scorsese movies are like pizza. Even when they're bad, they're good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was New York, New York. Was That was him, right? Or was that Coppola? That was Coppola. I'm punchy. <laughs> We're all like, uh... That's like one from my heart. No, that's Coppola, I think. That Yeah, that's what I'm getting conflated. Yeah. So New York, New York was actually... Scorsese, and that wasn't. We're just looking up worst yeah. Scorsese film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let's do it. through his IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> this is a good. I'm happy. Ooh, this, best this is the compelling content that people tune in for. <laughs> Damn it! This is the problem. We're on our computers after yeah, right? doing this. Mm-hmm. Yep that that would be the one. It was New York, New York, the musical. Oh no! Well, yeah. I just want to see that real bad now. Have you never seen it? No. Oofa doofa. Yeah, it's a it's a thing. Um, this list has Shutter Island way closer to the worst than I would have put it. It's fun. <laughs> Shutter Island is fine. It's yeah. fine. Again, yeah. again, it's fine. Yeah. It's doing its thing. 
Oh boy, I gotta get out of here. Okay, I got. I'm, close, I'm closing it. I'm not even. I can't. <laughs> this is dangerous. This is where we spiral. This is this is the time in the show. It's the next two hours. Is us click click click. Oh, that's bullshit. <laughs> click click click. Oh, that's yeah. just me normally. Yeah. Click. Oh yeah. With blogs for- on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about the Aviator. That was a movie, right? That, that's oh, where we'll be in ten minutes. So yeah, I, I guess that would be. That would be it. Do we want to do final thoughts? Anybody have anything else they want to jump in and and throw out there as we wrap up? I've thrown it all out. Yeah, it's nothing out else besides add bringing out the dead to your yearly Christmas viewing. That's <laughs> that's <laughs> what you take away from this. I will be happy. You can do a bi-coastal uh, double feature. You'll do Die Hard for the left coast, bringing out the dead for, for the east coast. Uh, perfect. Mwah. Who Who wouldn't love that? I would just say in summary, I think an accurate, like the most accurate movie about the EMS experience would be two fat guys sitting in an ambulance arguing about where to get lunch for 10 hours. Right. (laughs) So the fact that Martin Scorsese actually set aside five months of his life to make a movie about my industry is, I mean, it's a, it's a real honor. I mean, you know, he's a, it's a, a, an amazing storyteller and uh, you know, I wouldn't say this did much to advance the profession, but, uh, you know, just there's so many cop movies and firefighter movies to get one about us. Um, it was real nice. And to be directed by Martin Scorsese and all the, you know, you could tell this was a movie that he really loved to make the characters and the, just the cinematography in it. Um, you know, I feel, I feel honored and I, I just absolutely love this movie. Absolutely love it. Thank you very much for for bringing it to to the podcast here and and spending the time to to talk to us about it and uh, and share kind of the the experiences of being a paramedic with us too because it's not something that you know most folks get on a day to day you know I think that's one of the most compelling things about this movie too is it kind of gives you especially now that I know how how you know at, at least on the the, the face value of it, the, the emotional impact and, and, you know, kind of the toll it takes on folks is, is relatively true to life, you know, as true to life as any movie is. Um, I, I think it gives people a lot to, to think about and kind of, you know, be, be not that anybody is ever not thankful to see a paramedic, um, but it kind of gives you more to think about, you know, uh, on the day to day. It gives you that insight that I don't know that most folks would have. So I, I appreciate you kind of taking the time out tonight to, to talk to us about it. I know with everything going on in the world right now, um, it's, uh, it, it's definitely something for all of us to think about. So, so thank you for spending the time with us tonight. Thank you for going out on the road and, and doing what you do. Um, we, we, I, I feel like saying we appreciate you is uh, not nearly enough, but, um, but thank you for taking the time. Hello. To do. <laughs> no, no, no. So, uh, thank you for having me. I'm yeah. honored to be on your podcast, man. This has been a great. It's been a lot of fun. Seriously, and thanks for doing what you're doing, man. Anomaly is a great film festival. Seriously, it's like I can't wait for next year. Dude, we love you. As soon as we all get out of our houses, you get the biggest hug in the world from all of us. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so. great. So thanks a lot. And um, uh, next time, I, I don't know what we'll talk about, but. Chances are there'll be like 35% more fart jokes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so from, from everybody anomaly, uh, stay safe, 
you know, go wash your hands, watch some good shit. And, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again soon. Um, also we do have a film festival coming up, um, <laughs> theoretically in November, um, November 12th through 15th. That's kind of the reason for the season. That's the reason we do the podcast. Um, but as of right now, everything is on. We will see you there. Um, it's at the cinema theater, uh, and it's going to be badass. We've been cooped up for it's it's a month now, maybe you know multiple months by the time we we get down to it. So y'all, it's going to be fucking wild because we've all been stuck inside. Oh, we're getting so. weirder, like weirder. The first year was weird, us weird, and we can go outside and talk to people and like interact. This is just us in our heads for a couple months and yeah. then unleashed. Like last year, we pretended to feed you pus. Who the fuck knows what we're going to do this year? <laughs> That's a baseline. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with us? So if you want to get in on that excitement, it's anomalyfilmfest.com. Uh, passes are on sale now. Go buy them. There's t-shirts, um, all kinds of swag you can get on the website. You know, come and support us because um, we're still doing this fucking thing and it's going to be great. Uh, we look forward to seeing, the, seeing you there. So yeah, much love. Stay safe and uh, talk to you soon. If you want to learn more about Rochester and Buffalo's wide range of diverse cuisines, Nominate Meals might be for you. The fun part is you have no idea what you're going to get until you pick your meal up at one of our fantastic events. All you have to do is go to nominatemeals.com and order a meal for two for $40 that features dishes from one small, typically minority-owned restaurant. We run events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer Company in the neighborhood of Play, and also Nowhere Lounge in Buffalo. We offer drink pairings for sale that pair with each dish for that night, which really adds to the experience. Go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event and join the nomination.